You're listening to Penny Dreadfuls from the Moth Sanctuary. There is something serene about the silence inside a church in the dead of night. In the thick blackness, the stones speak in hushed tones, whispering their prayers when no one else is listening. But on this night, the serene silence of St. Magnus was shattered as a thumping at the heavy wooden door thundered through the church, rousing Frederick from his sleepy meditation. He was forbidden from having anything to do with anyone from outside the church, but it was unheard of for a visitor to be calling at this late an hour, and he could not suppress his curiosity. Mercifully, Frederick knew the church so well, he was able to move silently down the ancient wooden steps from the spire where he resided, to a vantage point high above the nave. The last time the door of St. Magnus had thundered like this in the night, Father Benedict had opened it to find a child, just days old, shivering on the threshold. He had taken him inside, praying for his soul as he did. But upon seeing the boy's deformed face, he had sworn he must remain hidden in the church, away from society. Whether that was to protect Frederick from ridicule and abuse, or to protect the girl that had abandoned him there from facing her shame, he had never been able to work out. Father Benedict had told Frederick that he carried the mark of the devil. So although he was merciful enough to have spared his life and given him sanctuary, Frederick was a source of revulsion. Even as a small child, Frederick was aware of his otherness, despite having never seen his own reflection. His hands were like shovels, wide and heavy. As a teenager, he towered above Father Benedict, and although he would have easily overpowered him, Frederick had not learned how to use his physicality for those ends. Even if he had, he could never have raised a hand to Father Benedict, for he was his defense against eternal damnation, and the only man he could call family. So the church had become his mother. Its vast nave was the womb which had protected him, the choir, the voice which sang his lullabies, the Bible, the bedtime stories that ignited his imagination, He observed its rituals with reverence, though he was never permitted to take part. And he did as he was bade by Father Benedict, hiding himself away in a drafty room in the spire, where he prayed for forgiveness whenever services were taking place, as the mere sight of him would horrify anyone who looked upon his face. Growing up in such a place meant Frederick knew the passageways of the church as intimately as the priests within it knew their Bibles. While they studied scripture, he studied wood and stone, moving through the passageways like blood through veins, 
He had learned all the corners where conversations could be overheard, and how to navigate to places that even Father Benedict could not find him. Which is precisely where he was going now. Frederick cowered in a small crawl space just behind a stone balcony. He peered between the balustrades as Father Benedict shuffled down the aisle towards the door, which shook on its hinges with each thump of the visitor's fist. Father Benedict heaved open the door, which groaned on its hinges, and he beckoned the visitor in. It was a woman. Frederick could not see her face, but he could see long red hair hanging loose down her back. Her hunched shoulders made her look small and frail. Father Benedict ushered her into a pew, and she began her story. It was difficult for Frederick to hear her words, but he could make out just enough. Husband. Drunk. Beating. He turned his face away and swallowed a sob. Despite all of Father Benedict's infinite wisdom, he could never make Frederick understand how some of God's creatures could be so cruel. He craned over the balcony as far as he could without losing his balance, but to his shock and dismay, he heard Father Benedict doling out stock passages and prayers, as if the woman's husband had stolen an apple. He told her to pray for him, to pray for herself to be a better wife. Father Benedict had told him many times that vengeance was the work of the devil, and the only type of anger that was not sinful was the anger of the righteous. But where was Father Benedict's righteous anger? How could he send this woman back into the jaws of death? Frederick's blood boiled. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression, said Isaiah. Frederick crawled noiselessly from his hiding place until he could move unseen through the shadows of the church's grand pillars and arches back to his spire. For a long time, he had known a way out of that room and onto the church roof. Some nights, he would sneak outside, lean back against the wooden structure, and gaze up into the heavens, contemplating his thoughts. But this evening, he ventured further than he had ever been, stooping like a gargoyle on one of the cornices to see in which direction the red-haired woman would go. He had never set foot outside of the church in his entire life, but his fury ensured that did not stop him. He lowered himself down, hanging by his powerful arms, and dropped down onto the ledge below. Window by window, archway by archway, he made his way to the ground, far more easily than he had anticipated and kept one eye on the red-haired woman so not to lose her trail. He moved as quietly outside as he did in the church, keeping his distance from the woman while keeping her within his line of sight. He followed her back to her home, back to her husband, 
and waited outside in the dark until the time was right. Frederick was merciful. He placed a huge hand over the sleeping man's mouth, creating a tight seal, and held his nose with the other. He barely resisted. His intoxicated body flinched involuntarily a few times, but other than that, death came silently and easily. Frederick signed himself with the cross, arranged the man's body on its back with his arms at his sides, and climbed back out of the window into the night's cool embrace, as calmly as if he were off to take an evening stroll. The red-haired woman would have no idea he had even been there. It would look as though he died peacefully in his sleep. Even in the dark, Frederick skulked in the shadows, the importance of staying out of sight whirling around in his head, but with every flickering candle in every window, he wondered about the people who came to his church every Sunday. He wondered if they too suffered as she had, longing for God to ease their pain. He wondered if it made them angry, being met with only apathy and inaction, in spite of their unquestioning loyalty. The thought gnawed at Frederick. Seeing himself next to that man, realizing his size and his strength even compared to one whose violence he had heard the evidence of, he knew that his purpose had been going unfulfilled. Frederick could protect these people in a way that Father Benedict could not. He climbed the walls of the church with ease, his huge arms propelling him skywards with the speed and dexterity of an ape. But returning to his room felt like an imprisonment. The room which had once brought him such comfort in the face of fear and shame now felt like a shackle which he longed to take off. He had found his place in this world, and it was no longer up here. Frederick willed himself to sleep, but it was futile. His mind was alive, and adrenaline still coursed through his veins and twitching muscles. He tried to pray, tried to ask God for forgiveness for the life he had taken that evening, but he could not bring himself to do it. He was not sorry for it, and so he could not repent. As the first shards of sunlight broke through into his room, Frederick went in search of Father Benedict. The wizened old man was nearly frightened to death when he opened his eyes to see Frederick looming over his bed with a severe expression. Frederick insisted that he had something to confess, though it was plain to see that Father Benedict did not believe him and was merely indulging him so as not to cause offence. Still hazy with sleep, Father Benedict showed Frederick into the confessional and began the ritual. Frederick told the priest about the events of the previous night in a grave tone. Father Benedict sighed heavily. Maybe you ought to be confessing for your lies, Frederick. But Frederick didn't understand. 
He had put aside his pride and done what Father Benedict had always told him to do. He had confessed his sins before God so that he may be forgiven. Frederick, I understand that you are no longer a boy. You are becoming a young man, and these walls in which you'll stay are feeling smaller every day. But you must not indulge in these idle fantasies about the world outside, lest you make room for the devil to take over your naive mind. Retire to your chambers, rid your imagination of such fancies, and recite your prayers. Go. Frederick went to protest, but Father Benedict had already closed the hatch between the two booths and begun shuffling back to his quarters to prepare for the day. He was confused and angry. How could God forgive him if his conduit refused to do his work? Frederick stormed back to his chambers, caring little for the noise of his footsteps this time, as they thundered up the stairs to the spire. He picked up his rosary, rolling the smooth beads between his fingers, before balling it into his fist and flinging it across the room. Even when the red-haired woman reappeared at the church door later that morning to arrange her husband's funeral and ask Father Benedict to pray for the deliverance of his soul to heaven, still the old priest did not believe Frederick's story. Instead, he charged, incensed, up to Frederick's room and scolded him brutally for sneaking out of the church in the night, for that was the only conceivable way Father Benedict could think of for the boy to have known about the man's death. But his punishments fell on deaf ears this time. Where once Frederick would have cowered, now he was calm. Something had changed within him just as something changed within Eve after taking her first fateful bite of the apple. Father Benedict had made Frederick painfully aware of his otherness since he was old enough to understand it. Now he realized that it was not the mark of the devil he carried upon him, but the mark of God himself. Father Benedict was an old man. He could do nothing to help these people, not anymore and he was afraid of losing their loyalty for it. But Frederick could help them. With his size, his power, his capability, he could rain down that righteous anger and protect his people from whatever they feared. He could be God's avenging angel. But unlike Eve, Frederick realized that the knowledge he had uncovered had to remain a secret. Just as Father Benedict had ordained to keep Frederick's presence a secret from the world, Frederick would keep his actions a secret, so Father Benedict could not stand in his way. He began to withdraw into himself, remaining out of sight of even the priests during the day, their only indication of his presence being the empty bowl and cup left outside of his locked door. But Frederick knew the church well enough that he could sneak from his room and position himself just so that he could hear even the faintest whispers from the nave, carried up to the rafters, and move silently down his secret passageways to see the faces of those who made them. 
By night he climbed the now familiar route out of the church and prowled the streets. For those whose possessions had been stolen, he retrieved and returned them. For those whose animals were being slaughtered, he tore their predators apart like stuffed toys. For those who suffered at the hands of violence, he doled out bitter retribution. He had taken a life before, and it would not be his last. And then he waited. When Sunday worship came, he beamed down on the churchgoers from his place hidden up in the heavens and waited for them to send up their prayers and thanks. He had even half expected them to leave offerings of bread or wine to ensure he continued to shower them with his favor. But their thanks never came, not to Frederick. They praised God for his kindness. They tearfully thanked their Lord and Savior for his generosity, and they thanked Father Benedict for bringing his blessings down upon them. Frederick was crestfallen. But of course, how could they know it was him if he moved unseen and unheard? He had to find a way to show his people what he had done for them, but could not show his face. So Frederick turned to his Bible, though not for its scripture. Frederick tore out the words, and each time he went out, he would arrange them into a message for whoever was the recipient of his latest work. But still it was to no avail. The people recognized that the words had been torn from Bibles, and this only confirmed to them that this was the work of the Lord and how they praised him for his miracles. Frederick was as invisible as he had ever been, and he could take it no longer. As the congregation filed in for their Sunday service, Frederick confronted Father Benedict. He burst into his chambers, eyes wild and chest heaving, as the old man was dressing for the service. He nearly fell backwards at the shock of seeing Frederick in the daylight, even before he had registered the rage on his face. Frederick, you are not to be here, he scolded the second he had regained his breath. You must return to your room this instant. Frederick took a step forward, acutely aware of his hulking size compared to the priest. No, father he said. It is time for them to see the face of their saviour. Father Benedict scoffed derisively. You laugh because you think you are so high and mighty. But it is not you who has protected them. It is not God. It is me. Blasphemer, Father Benedict rebuked. You weren't listening. God wasn't listening. I was. God didn't answer their prayers. I did. And yet they praise Him. Worship Him. They should be worshipping me. Frederick's voice resonated through the church with a thunderous echo 
Father Benedict fell to his knees and signed himself with the cross, mumbling prayers for protection and salvation for Frederick's mortal soul. Fury smoldered inside him. He had never dreamed of laying a hand on Father Benedict before now. But he threw him aside like a rag doll, burst through the heavy wooden doors of the sacristy, and started towards the nave. It was time for Frederick to take his rightful place. There was a loud gasp from the congregation as he stood bold in front of the altar. I am your saviour! He boomed with all the authority he could. He outstretched his arms as though to take his worshippers into his embrace, but they were frozen, eyes wide, mouths hanging open, and children began to cry. I am your saviour, he said again, more fervently this time. It is me who has protected you all. Me! who has answered your prayers. They were captivated by him, but it was not adoration he saw on their faces. The congregation reviled him. Women recoiled in horror. Men didn't know whether to threaten him or turn and run. Frederick was about to speak again when every eye was drawn away as Father Benedict stumbled into the nave. His face was badly bruised, and his head was bleeding. He was confused and disoriented. Frederick's face flushed with shame. He did this! Monster! A woman cried out, and the entire crowd erupted in a swell of fear, revulsion, and anger clambering across the pews and lurching towards Frederick. It was a mistake, he called out above the din. I never meant to hurt him. Frederick turned away from the congregation and darted towards the shadows. A sharp pain grazed his back and slick, hot liquid covered him. One of the parishioners had thrown a lamp at him, the oil now soaking his shirt and mixing with the blood seeping from the greys. He snarled over his shoulder, and the man lunged backwards in horror, almost slipping in the oil he had spilled when he threw the lamp. It was then that he realised this was not a misunderstanding. He could see the horror on every one of their faces. These people did not see him as their saviour. They would never worship him, Even after everything he had given them, there they stood in his home, plotting to drive him out of it. They didn't even tend to Father Benedict's injuries. They had left his limp body laying on the floor while they bayed for Frederick's blood. His anguish morphed into anger as their cruel chants echoed around the vaulted ceilings while Frederick sped back towards his room in the spire. He finally understood why Father Benedict had locked him away up here. It was not to protect them from him, but to protect him from them. He locked the door to his room, the stacks of the Bibles, sheet music, candles, 
Frederick burned them all. He set everything in that drafty room alight, kicking the burning papers all up against the door, watching the ancient wood scorch and crack as the fire took hold. Then he slipped out onto the roof and began to clamber down. When he got there, he tore a bench from the ground and barred the doors of the church with it, trapping the frothing mob inside. Then he fled, following the path he knew towards the hill on the edge of the town. From a safe distance, Frederick watched as the people flitted and flailed around the blaze like moths, mesmerized and helpless as the church roof was engulfed by his holy fire. Where is your savior now? He asked. Where is your savior now? As the spire collapsed into the flames. This story was written by Chloe Gorman and read by Andrew Bate, with music also by Andrew Bate. Penny Dreadfuls from the Moth Sanctuary is an audiobook series by Moth Sanctuary Productions. You can subscribe to the series on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and YouTube. Follow Moth Sanctuary Productions on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or for more dark delights, visit mothsanctuaryproductions.com. <laughs>